0: Greetings, peasants. I mean, hello, devious dungeon masters. Welcome back to the Knights of Nerds podcast. This is Tim, and I want to say thank you very much for listening to this. We are doing another Creating Villains episode today. We're looking at the fighter. (sighs) tell you, this was a difficult one, but I will get into my difficulties in a moment, so just hold off on your pity for now. First, we're going to say that... We, the Knights and Nerds podcast, are sort of teaming up with some other podcasts as part of a network, you might say. Uh, I believe it's called Little Gray Boy. I think it's named after a cat because it's the internet, and of course it would be. Uh, So you might hear one or two brief spots for other podcasts that you might be interested in. Also of note, we're doing a giveaway all through this month and through most of May. For a free copy of The Ghosts of Saltmarsh, the next adventure coming out from Wizards of the Coast for Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. I realize when I don't enunciate very well that it sounds like I'm saying Goats of Saltmarsh, which would be a very different campaign, I'm guessing. Anyways, to enter, all you have to do is follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, tag three of your friends. Preferably on the giveaway post, but if you do it somewhere else, that's fine. And comment with your favorite moment or one of your favorite moments from the podcast, our podcast, so far. And that's it. And then we'll do the draw near when the uh, adventure is released. Other than that, if you want to join the Dungeon Master group on Facebook, you've probably heard me mention it loads of times, but I will mention it again. Uh, If you want to discuss the various plot threads and the twists that I have made quite plain in the campaign planning episodes, then go to our Facebook page, go to where it says groups, and you can request to join, because I often ask for feedback because I don't know what I'm doing much of the time. So if you wanted to, you could help me plan out some parts of the campaign. Uh, The group has been a tremendous asset to me uh, so far for which I am extremely grateful. And not only that, but members of the group get feedback for their own games. So everybody benefits, but I benefit the most. Anyways, let's talk about fighters and villains. Because this was not an easy one for me, and I knew that it wouldn't be. Fighters are a very difficult class. Just starting with my normal MO about how to do these Episodes. I just read through the Player's Handbook and Xanathar's Guide to Everything and look for abilities, anything written about the particular class or subclass that might spark a thought in my tiny little brain. But like, hey, that sounds like a neat hook or a neat ability if we turn it up to 11. And also if it was being used by somebody totally evil. So that's what i've kind of been doing so far but the fighter is different in one very noticeable way i think out of all of the classes in this game the fighter is the class where you as a player have to bring your own character to the class because the class itself doesn't really provide you with much substance now what i mean by that and i don't mean that in a bad way i think fighters super cool What I mean by that is that, like, if you're playing a cleric or a paladin, like, these these classes have these sort of built-in behavioral prompts, these certain ways that they are encouraged. Like, if you're a paladin, you've taken an oath. If you're a cleric, you follow a god. But a fighter, if you say you're a fighter, then all that means, according to what's really written in the Player's Handbook, is that, in short... You're someone who's had a large part of their professional life or background revolve around being centered upon martial or military training, like a soldier or a mercenary or a knight. Now, in thinking about making a villain based around a fighter, I really had to ask myself what the fighter was, and that's basically the answer. And not only that, but how is it different from other martial classes? And this was not an easy endeavor, and this, this sort of turned out for me to be half about creating a villain, and half about me trying to figure out what a fighter was in general, and my thoughts on the fighter class. But we'll get to some villain stuff, don't worry. So a fighter is someone who has military training, a lot of military training, a lot of martial prowess. problem with this, though, is that there's still a lot of overlap with this background and other classes. A Kensei monk, for example, trains with a particular and limited variety of weapons. A ranger and paladin both get fighting styles similar to how a fighter gets fighting styles. Barbarians and even clerics of the war domain all could have backgrounds where they somehow had military training. So in what way is a fighter unique from all of these other classes? I mean, aside from basically being proficient with virtually every weapon one could possibly imagine, a fighter should, based on the writing in the player's handbook, be a better melee combatant than any other melee opponent they come across. So in any given scenario, if a fighter comes across an opponent of about the same level, the fighter should be the more skilled combatant. So if 100 characters of the same level each pick up a sword, and one of those characters is a fighter, then the fighter should, without fail, always be the best at using it. And really the same goes with any weapon, and should probably even apply to their equipment, like shields and armor. Now does this aspect of the fighter really get borne out in the stats? A little bit, but perhaps not as much as it should. If you have a fighter and a barbarian in your party, I'm going to guess that they both would have the same strength modifier, assuming that the fighter is not using a finesse weapon. It's likely that both the fighter and barbarian would have the same strength modifier and proficiency bonus, at least up to a point. The fighter stats do increase more frequently than any other class. So the fighter will max out more stats than other martial classes. But at the end of the day, everybody maxes out at 20. So it's likely that the barbarian and the fighter statistically are equally competent as far as the dice rolls are concerned with their respective weapons of choice. A fighter does get fighting styles as mentioned before, but so do the ranger and paladin. Granted, the fighter gets a second fighting style at 10th level, But I don't think the second fighting style has a huge impact on the fighter's performance at that point. Based on the selection of fighting styles available, the overall difference to a 10th level character of adding, say, plus one to AC or plus two to their damage bonus, I think overall is a pretty minor change. Now, I was also thinking about which fighter subclass best represent the class overall. The champion? Maybe. Although it lacks anything truly unique, in my opinion. The Eldritch Knight is basically a paladin without healing ability or the oaths. And don't even bother with the subclasses in Xanathars. I honestly don't understand. I mean, just as a tangent here. I don't understand the Arcane Archer. Can somebody please explain this to me? Like, to me, it just doesn't seem to scale In any meaningful way. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm just totally missing it. Anyways. No, it's the Battle Master. This is the subclass that best represents what a fighter ought to be capable of. Having military or martial training that can influence not only their own fighting, but that can also influence the combat around them. A paladin or monk may have martial training, but the ability to tactically control a battle is solely the domain of the fighter. So the training, the discipline, is what sets the fighter apart. And I think the class could do with a few extra abilities to show this. Something to really represent that discipline. And to show that the fighter is the most skilled martial combatant in the game. So these are just my thoughts. And maybe these will get translated into our fighter villain shortly. We'll see. The first extra ability I would bestow to the fighter would have to do with fear. Since the fighter is so well-trained, so resolutely firm in their resolve, I would say that the fighter should either have advantage on saving throws against effects that cause fear, or they should be immune to fear altogether. Plus, their allies within a certain distance could also benefit from their resilience and have advantage to saving throws against fear as well. And I think introducing this ability at level 7 or level 9 would be appropriate. The next addition I would make would be to give the fighter a bonus against being flanked. The idea being that they are that skilled, that flanking them is simply more difficult. I don't know if I would say outright that flanking a fighter doesn't confer advantage to their opponents. It's certainly a possibility, but I would definitely want to make it more difficult. So perhaps a fighter could make a dexterity saving throw against the attack that's rolled with the advantage, the flanking attack, to see if they're able to parry the attack coming in from their flank. Or they could simply burn their reaction for that turn to negate the advantage roll on the flanking attack. I think instituting this ability at level 5 would probably be, I think, pretty cool. And the last bonus I would give to the fighter would be the cleave ability. Currently, there is no rule for this in 5th edition. In 4th in edition, and maybe previous editions, I'm not sure. Uh, a cleave attack would, in essence, be an attack that hits one enemy and had such force behind it that it carried through to an adjacent nearby enemy. Right now, there's a variant optional rule for cleave which states that if an attack reduces an undamaged enemy to zero hit points, any excess damage from the attack can be carried over to a nearby creature. I would imagine that most of the time it's going to be pretty tough to accomplish something like this. Reducing an enemy to zero hit points from full health. Unless you're fighting goblins or kobolds or, I don't know, rats. So my personal cleave rule would be that if the fighter reduces a creature to zero hit points with a melee attack, doesn't have to be an undamaged opponent then an adjacent creature, like within five feet, takes damage equal to like the remaining damage that the recently killed creature didn't take or damage equal to the weapon attack modifier, something like that. Now, why am I even talking about this when this episode is supposed to be about making a villain? Well, if I'm not able to definitively identify what makes a fighter unique, I can't really make a compelling villain based on one. Even now, with a better understanding of what a fighter is, it's still such a blank slate in the player's handbook. It doesn't really give much to work with in terms of, of inspiration. So I tried to look up famous evil warriors in history and fiction for further inspiration, but I had very little luck. I mean, there's Darth Vader, who's kind of an evil warrior, although he's basically a space wizard. Viking raiders are a pretty good example of what one might consider evil. I mean, slaughtering helpless peasants is pretty vile, even if you do think Vikings are cool as hell. I mean, how many D&D adventures start with orcs or bandits burning down a village and killing the inhabitants? I don't know, but I'm going to guess a lot. Bane from Batman is an example of a warrior. I mean, he's the embodiment of brute force. I think there were a couple other examples that I found, but after a certain point, I realized it didn't actually matter what examples I found because someone being strong... Or a brute or even a good fighter doesn't make them a compelling villain if you want to have a melee fighter villain character in your campaign you really don't need my help there are heaps of those types of characters that are ready to use in the Monster Manual in Volo's Guide to Monsters and in Mordenkainen's Foes. an enemy being strong or a character being strong doesn't make them compelling I mean, there's lots of actual writing done on on this subject about what makes a compelling character. And it isn't that they're too strong to fight or too dangerous to face in combat. What really makes a compelling character is... Well, I mean, there's definitely a, a variety of factors. But one common factor is that people, whether you're watching a TV show or reading a book, you tend to like characters that are intelligent You tend to like characters that can outthink their opponents and not just hit them harder. I mean, going back to Bane for a second, in the comics, Bane didn't just beat Batman in a fight. Bane had a plan to wear a ridiculous outfit, to wear Batman down, and then to strike at him when he was at his weakest. Many of the best villains in fiction and popular culture are those that outsmart the heroes and that aren't physically imposing. Hannibal Lecter, for those who have seen Silence of the Lambs, the first time we see Hannibal Lecter is when he's in a maximum security prison. But in that first scene, he acts as though he's in control, because he's manipulating Agent Starling in that scene. So, in a way, he kind of is in control. And, I mean, sticking with Batman for a second, the Joker, in the Dark Knight, uh, definitely not that physically imposing, at least, you know, definitely not a match for Batman in a fist fight. He says so himself. And when he's captured, he's still several steps ahead of Batman and the police. I mean, do you remember what he says when Batman is interrogating him? You have nothing. Nothing to threaten me with. Nothing to do with all your strength. Don't worry. I'm going to tell you where they are. Both of them. And that's the point. You'll have to choose. So, as cool as it is to have a villain who can handle themselves in a fight, if you want your villain in your campaign to be memorable, they should be outsmarting, or at least having the appearance of outsmarting, your players. If the villain in your campaign or your story, whose only strength is that they are tough, they're not going to be that memorable. But an enemy that's both physically imposing and smarter, that's the overlap that we want. That's the sweet spot. So, how do we combine the idea of what a fighter is, which is a martial combatant that is pound for pound more skilled than any adversary? How do we combine that idea with an enemy that can outthink their opponent? There is an answer to this. But it involves breaking a whole bunch of rules. But as DMs, that's okay. We can do that. Our villain for this episode, and this unfortunately won't provide much backstory, I'm sorry to say. As I said, the fighter is a kind of a blank slate. So you'll have to do a little bit of legwork on the backstory for yourself. Our villain will be a fighter that learns and improves after every action his opponent takes. So after every round of combat against this villain, every round will become more difficult than the one before it. And the way that the combat changes will depend entirely on the actions that the players take. Now let's picture our villain as a fighter with a sword and shield. Pretty standard setup, but if you want to give them a bit more of a villainous flavor, you can give them a more menacing weapon like a scythe, or like a two-handed maul, or a, a morning star, or a particularly vicious flail. So our villain, first off, is immune to fear. They're too disciplined for that nonsense. Uh, The battle master even has an ability to cause fear, so if you want to incorporate that, I highly recommend. Next, this villain will have the ability to adapt to the fighting style of the heroes. So as time passes between rounds, the villain is reading the heroes, analyzing their fighting style in order to predict what they will do next. How to change their stance to better block the next attack that's coming at them. To represent this, every round, the villain's armor class will go up. You can choose by what increment, depending on what your party's level is. But if our fighter is wearing heavy armor and using sword and shield, chances are their AC is 18 or 19. And... Seeing as you don't want combat to drag on too long, let's imagine three rounds their AC would be up to 22 if you wanted, if your party's a suitably high level. I mean, I know even at level six, Spruce and Vena are really having no difficulty hitting an AC of 22 a lot of the time. So it could increase the increment by two. That way, after three rounds of combat, that's an AC of 25. Okay, now now you're getting into territory where the villain has so quickly and so effectively adapted to the way that these heroes fight that it's almost impossible to land a blow. So with the villain's armor class getting to the point of being out of reach, the heroes may choose to flank the villain in order to get advantage However, that too will only work for one round, and then the villain adjusts their fighting style again, in a way that negates the advantage entirely. It could be described that the villain was maybe taken unawares by the first flanking maneuver, and now is simply choosing to react faster? That they weren't even trying their hardest up until that point, when fighting against just one of the heroes? It's almost like an insult to the players. And then the second player shows up to flank them and he can just goad them saying, now this is almost a fair fight. I mentioned borrowing the fear ability from the battle master. Something else that I want to borrow from the battle master is the Repost ability. I don't know if I'm saying that word correctly. Hang on a sec. I'm going to look it up. Repost. Riposte. riposte. Okay, yeah. Borrow the repost ability from the Battlemaster. So, the villain can make a melee attack whenever a melee attack misses them. Now, we could give an allowance to this, like a number of times equal to their Constitution modifier, perhaps. These four abilities, well, three of these abilities are really going to force the players to change their tactics often. This is going to be... Prob- I mean, especially the first time they run into this villain. Their first encounter is going to be a very rude awakening as to how tough this enemy is and how smart this enemy is. Now, I- I've just given you sort of the blueprints for a tough opponent. It's not really super villainous. So I was not content to leave it just at this. So I went to look at the Monster Manual and Morden Kanan's Tomofo's to find examples of evil, monstrous characters that closely re- resemble fighters. Now, the closest examples I found, I found two kind of fairly close approximations. One was Lord Soth. Now, I-, I Googled Lord Soth. When he was alive, he was a knight. And knights take oaths. So, based on Wikipedia or whatever page I was looking on, maybe he was a fighter. Monster manuals strongly implies that he's a paladin, which again goes to the point that the line that separates the fighter from some other classes can be very, very faint. Uh, The other example I found was Zariel, the CR-26 angel-turned-archdevil in Kanan's Tome of Foes. But the problem is that there's no abilities inherent to either of these characters that both say evil and fighter. Other than the effects that their attacks have, which say sort of evil, which is like, like necrotic damage and fire damage, things like that. So if you're wanting to give an evil flavor to your enemy, yeah, throw some necrotic damage, throw some fire damage, even poison. Can't go wrong. I was still looking for a way to give a little more evil flavor to this fighter, so I was reading through Zenithar's Guide to Everything, and on page 27, it gives six options for heraldry, one of which is three drops of blood beneath a horizontal sword on a black background, symbolizing three foes that that fighter has sworn to kill. I mean, to me, this sounds like an adventure hook right off the bat. The heroes are recruited to protect these three individuals, or perhaps one or more of these three targets are known to the PCs. This could work especially well if, like, they're characters from one of your PCs' backstory. Maybe there's some overlap between one or more of your players and their in their characters' backstories. Uh, so this could that could work really well if you wanted to. Have one of these potential victims uh, be related to one of your player characters uh, in, in your storyline. Xanathar's also gives a few options for signature styles of fighting. Elegant, brutal, cunning, effortless, energetic, and sinister. This kind of got me thinking too. I think our villain should have a fighting style that's... Did you think I was going to say Sinister. It should be cunning, yeah. We've already established that this foe is not just physically imposing, but is doubly dangerous because they are smarter in a fight than the heroes. Reading these signature styles, though, did give me an idea of building in a flaw for this villain. The PCs, the heroes, should be able to achieve something, whether it's combat-related or not, in order to get the villain to change their fighting style basically to abandon their training and to fly into a rage so that they would lose all of the various advantages that they get in combat. And at that point, the heroes would then have an opportunity to beat the fighter now that their careful, cunning fighting style has been tossed aside. This could be any number of things. The PCs could discover a past shame or secret, or some tragic history with a lost love, Perhaps they were spurned by someone that they yearned for. Something really raw, like an old wound that hasn't quite healed for this villain, that the player characters can then exploit. And then this villain's fighting style goes from cunning to brutal. And the damage output increases, but his ability to fight intelligently disappears. Note that this option... Really compels, strongly compels the players to approach the game from a narrative standpoint and not just a combat standpoint. Not to say anything bad about any players who just like to fight, that's totally, I'm one of those players. But this is a good option if you are wanting to give your party that push into exploring the more narrative, story driven side of your campaign. Okay, I think that does it for the fighter. I was really, you know what? I was really on the fence about whether to do this one at all because I just thought, well, fighter really just overlaps so much with other classes that there probably wouldn't even be a point to to doing it. But I'm kind of glad I did. And maybe I'll use someone like this in one of my campaigns at some point. And if you have, you know what? If you have any feedback about how to make this fighter more evil and tougher I would love to hear about it anyways that does it for me I hope you enjoyed this if you're enjoying these episodes and I do hope that you are tell a friend leave a rating if you want to if not that's cool but for now we're just going to let the outro music take it away because it's so epic like dun, dun 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 Hi, I'm Tessa and I'm Elliot and this is Tessa and Elliot argue. Do you like weird headlines? Guy on Ambien accidentally proposes to girlfriend, wakes up and doesn't remember any of it. Florida gun owners plan to shoot at Hurricane Irma. Plane forced to turn back after mother forgets newborn at airport. If any of this caught your attention, you can find us at TessaElliotargue.com. We come out every Sunday morning. Check us out.